2: Welcome to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy with Bucknuts and 247 Sports. And uh, we've got a special guest with us today, someone Buckeye fans will know well. Uh, we're going to talk with Ohio State men's basketball coach Chris Holtman here for the first part of the podcast. And then we'll dive into some football talk ahead of Big Ten Media Days, talk some Big Ten, and, and kind of preview what's going on in the conference after we're done with Coach Holtman. But uh, let's jump into it. Chris, thanks for joining us. Uh, welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour.
1: Yeah, great to be with you, Patrick. Great to be uh, with you.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. Let me just start, you know, how's summer been? How do you feel like things are going both, you know, for you and, and for the team?
1: Yeah, good. It's been a good summer. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, we're wrapping it up right now. As you know, Patrick, you get eight weeks to work with your guys. So we're we're, we're wrapping it up here. Uh, they've got another another week. They've finally got a little bit of the soreness. Uh, out of their bodies uh, from those those first few weeks um, but uh, you know we we scrimmaged the TBT team a couple days ago that was fun for our guys just to be able to do some some things a little bit different but uh, yeah, it's been a good week uh, good summer so far
2: nice get to see some familiar faces with that TBT team yeah a different look this year yes uh, I want to kind of take you back um, and I, I'm sure you've talked about this before but Going back to the kind of the start of your coaching career at Gardner-Webb, when, when you took over that program, which is obviously very different than what you have here at Ohio State, are there things that you learned from those early days as a head coach that still apply even at a program like Ohio State and kind of how you handle things, or or how different is it from, from back then?
1: You know, absolutely. I, I think there are fundamental coaching beliefs that you have that you – Uh, you typically get from the people that you've watched uh, or the people that you coached under or programs that you were a part of as a player or as a coach, just fundamental beliefs that you have. And then those beliefs can be challenged as you go through the real thing of coaching your own team and experiencing the ups and downs that go with that. And over time it gets refined and, you know, your coaching philosophy changes. What doesn't change is the fact that, you know, Uh, players, uh, really good players want to be coached. They want to be coached hard. Um, they want to be coached in truth, as we say, and, you know, they want a a coaching staff that's going to care about them, uh, but brings a level of, of real understanding of what it, of what it takes to get them to the next level, um, as well as win at the highest level. So it's, you know, those days were the difference was right. Bus instead of plane. Um, you know, maybe uh, McDonald's after the game, as opposed to, you know, some of the, like that, those are the differences, but the core uh, principles of, hey, it's hard to win on the road in college basketball. It's hard at Gardner Webb, hard at Butler. It's hard at Ohio state. It's hard anywhere you go. A lot of those things are the same. What makes a really good player. uh, Those things don't change either.
2: Yeah. I imagine, you know, having seen you guys after games and we're waiting for interviews and stuff, probably a whole different scenario at Gardner web than, uh, than what you guys have now with, with everything Um, you mentioned.
1: I had had one guy that never traveled with us, uh, but occasionally on home games, if we went to this media, you know, we had the Gardner web screen behind, you know, we did that. My, I was there three years. I think we did that my last year. And on a good day, you'd have like two students and one of the local uh, newspapers there. Um, that was if it was a big game. Um, if it wasn't a big game, you might just have a student and then the guy who, you know, manually put up the sheet, or SID, you know, who was there. So uh, that's, the, yeah, that's a little different.
2: Yeah, uh, for, for those who haven't watched uh, the press conferences, what do you say? We've got at least 10 to 15 people usually in those for, for the weekly press conferences and postgame. Yeah, yeah. Whole room.
1: yeah. completely changes. And as you know, once football uh, finishes around here, that that's when it that's when it it, it picks up even greater. Uh, I, obviously, guys are following football up and through through uh, hopefully uh, late January.
2: Yeah. Uh, Speaking of that, and this wasn't something I was planning to ask you, but and I've talked with you a little bit about this before. But how was when you got to Ohio State that transition of, okay, football is is the kind of driving force here. And then, like you said, basketball picks up as how was that a transition for you as a guy who had been at, you know, a place like Butler that doesn't have a football program, didn't have to kind of balance those two things between what is still a giant fan base, but attention goes certain places.
1: Yeah, no, it does. It, listen, it does. That's a reality. I don't think uh, I, I think you can be, you know, clearly really good uh, in both. And up until last year, we were top 20 every year. Yeah. Um. In in pretty much throughout most of 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 our first five years, we were a top twenty turn uh, team an NCAA tournament team, and obviously we've talked a lot about what what has been done here previously. So I think you can be good in both, but there is a you are going to have some divided attention uh, at particularly at a place that is clearly a blue blood in college football, as Ohio State is. We've really tried to embrace it. I know. I know some coaches. You know. Uh, they they don't necessarily um, enjoy that part of it uh, as much. They'd rather coach at quote unquote a basketball school. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I've I, w- we've embraced it. I've enjoyed it. Um, I think there are um, more pluses than there are negatives. Uh, listen, there there's there's things you can look at in every situation and say, hey, this uh, this is a challenge. But uh, we've we've really tried to look at the positives of it. We've tried to embrace it, uh, embrace what it could be, uh, and in particular, we've we've always had a great relationship with those guys. I think that that helps a lot. But certainly, at Butler, it was different because when you are the primary uh, sport in a lot of ways, kind of the primary breadwinner for a particular athletic department, uh, the the feel around particularly those first couple months of the season is just a little bit different. Sure.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned it, Ryan, that the whole staff over there, I think they, you know, it'd be different if it were a group that you didn't get along with, but I know you guys do. And um, when you're recruiting, does that come up much or do you see it as an opportunity to use some of the big Ohio state football games? I know you guys bring guys to those. Uh, how much does that come up in conversation when, when you're talking to especially highly regarded prospects? I, uh,
1: yeah, uh, it comes up. I, I think some schools uh, try to use it against us. Okay, hey, you're going to a football school. You know the, the the football experience here, the game day experience, is a is a phenomenal environment uh, to bring a young man to. But I know that in the past that we have gotten uh, hit, and I know previous staffs did as well. With hey, you know that's quote unquote a football school. Uh, but in reality, I don't know if it's a major factor one way or the other, to be honest with you, I don't, your kid's not going to come here because, you know, we have an outstanding football environment um, and he's not going to not come here because he thinks quote unquote, it's a football school. So, you know, it's, it's a minor factor. If, if that kids are going to come because uh, they've seen us develop uh, players, which we have a tremendous track record of that. Um, they want to be a part of, a, of, of this university. Uh, they, they want to be a part of a winning program. That's ultimately why kids make decisions uh, at this level. Makes sense.
2: Going back to, to specifically basketball, um, if we look back at last year, obviously you guys start really well. I think it was 11-3. and three. Then, then the first losing streak happens. You get out of that. The second losing streak happens as you kind of reflected, and I know you and I have talked previously about just kind of the difficulties of last year for, for you personally. Uh, but when you look back, was there something, and I don't know how much in the weeds you want to get on this, but was there something that, okay, the rail went or the train went off the tracks at some point or, or something that you kind of pinpoint as the, the reason why things went south when you had such a good start to the year?
1: No, you know, obviously you do a lot of, if you have a season like that, you're going to do a lot of introspection on areas that, uh, that I could have done better areas that, that we need to do better. Um, You know, lessons learned things that uh, you look at and you say, Hey, what uh, could I have done better to get us in a better place uh, earlier? Obviously um, uh, you know, there were there were things that I reflect back on, some of which I, you know, I, I kind of keep private or I write in a journal that are my kind of lessons or things I've shared with our staff that we need to we need to do better. in. you know, I think when you're in it, um, it's 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 such a um, you know, it can be such an overwhelming feeling, uh, particularly when you lose like we did for as long a stretch as we did. And I, I I just ultimately give our players a ton of credit for responding those last five weeks of the season. Uh, the reality is I, I take those first, you know, 11 or 12 games with a bit of a grain of salt okay. because the competition is not consistently the same right. as what it is that we face in the Big Ten. You, you know, I've shared that before. So I don't look, well, they went 11-2 and two, and then they went this and then they went, that. you know. The reality is, it's just a different. It's apples and oranges. It's different once you get into consistent uh, 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 league play. Yeah. But I, I think, as much as anything, uh, you know, there, you know, what I wish I could have done is just have gotten us uh, in a better place earlier uh, than those last five or six weeks. We were obviously in a really good uh, place those last five or six weeks. I certainly wish I could have gotten us in a better place earlier.
2: What do you think from, from talking to the guys that are returning from that team? What do you think they take from, especially some of the young guys who went through that for the first time? I know we talked throughout the season to guys like Bruce and Bryce, Felix, guys who didn't, hadn't experienced losing much at the high school level just because they were so good. What, what can they take from that that then they can use for the rest of not only their college career, but, but maybe even going forward if they pursue professionally?
1: Well, I, I think the reality is, is what you're doing is at this level is is really hard. You know, it's really hard, and it's really hard when you're young. And I think uh, people don't like again. I you know, we had a level of you know really solid good success, top 20 teams, you know, um, NCAA tournament runs, advancing, um, being you know relevant those last month of the season in, in the Big Ten race. And that's kind of what they just expected was going to happen again in some ways. And I'm not putting words in their mouth, but then they're they're thrust into these roles as freshmen that in some ways, you know, they wanted, but they also didn't fully understand how challenging this was going to be for, you know, three or four, in our case, four freshmen to play the kind of roles that they, that they did. I think they handled it with great, uh, maturity uh, a great approach and a consistency of, um, of of purpose and effort that allowed us to play really well the last five weeks and they weren't the only reasons for that but but they were a major factor in it uh, and then um, so I think listen there's no question when you go through some challenges you, you have some some battle scars there's no question you have scar tissue and I think what we hope is that value of of going through that provides real dividends for us in terms of just growth and improvement leading into this next year.
2: I think the natural assumption is you guys made the run in the big 10 tournament that can build momentum towards the next season. Is that realistic, especially with the difference in roster that this is going to be? And and I'll get to, I have some questions about this year's roster too, but can, can that momentum really be a thing from one season to the next?
1: Oh, I, I think it can be a thing to a certain degree. But okay. you're talking about <clears throat> months removed. And, and people talk about the run in the Big Ten tournament. The reality is we were playing well the a yeah. week, couple weeks prior. Right. You know, we played well at Michigan State. We beat Illinois and Maryland, who were both top 25 teams. Um, so the reality is, is we were playing well really for the last kind of five weeks of the season. Do I think that carries, uh, can carry some momentum? So, excuse me. Do I think that can carry some momentum? Sure. But the reality is, is, is uh, uh, the, the work is what's in front of us. Yeah. And that is to take the lessons that were learned. Also appreciate uh, some things we did at the end of the year, figure out how to do that better. Um, The exciting thing for us is you have players here that both experienced the challenges of losing and then finishing uh, the season, the last five weeks playing pretty well and you have those returning and that can be a really valuable thing.
2: I think roster construction is interesting, especially in basketball where you don't have as many guys. So interesting.
1: Missed- one way to look at it for sure. <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, Challenging, I guess, is that what
1: you, what, what word would you use? Uh, challenging, um a, an absolute uh, um yeah I, I, the, the most important thing for college coaches right now nope. college basketball coaches our sport is different than football yeah in that regard our sport is different than than pretty much every other sport because the transfer rates are higher in our sport uh than pretty much every other sport we also have one and done so professionalization um it happens earlier uh, you know, we have two and done kids can professionalize after two years. So there's no question that the uh, roster construction is the biggest issue facing college basketball coaches.
2: So when you look at kind of how you guys handled this offseason, you, you knew you had that freshman class coming in. Um, and I want to ask you about them. But you guys go to the transfer portal. You, you land multiple guys with experience playing both in the Big Ten and elsewhere. What did you guys want to address with that transfer portal class, and, and how do you feel like you guys did with, with this
1: group? Scoring, for one, I, I think we needed we needed a little bit more scoring, Patrick, uh, given what we, we lost a significant amount of scoring. So uh, scoring, number one, I think positionally we needed some experience um, at a couple positions as well as just, you know, I felt like we needed – a little more quickness in our backcourt, um, which in an older guy with with more explosive, a little bit more quickness to go along with Bruce and Roddy uh, in our backcourt. And that's why Dale Bonner was a young man we chose um, fr- from Baylor. Um, so I think that as much as anything, we, you know, the reality is it's, it's hard to rely on four freshmen and have a really successful season. So while we knew our freshmen um, who we had coming in uh, it's, it's not in their best interest or our best interest to expect to, to rely on four more freshmen at the same level we did last year. Right. That makes sense.
2: When you, when you're recruiting a guy out of the transfer portal, how different is it than when you recruit a high
1: school kid? Uh, That's quicker. Um, It's more about, you know, let's get to what's most important coach, I've seen a couple of campus visits before. I don't need to see another campus visit. You know, I've seen, you know, I've eaten a steak dinner on a, on a recruiting trip. That's fine. I don't really need to do that. Like, how can you help me grow as a player? How can you, uh, I want to, I want to play in the NCAA tournament. You know, you guys have done that previously. How do we, you know, I really you know, those are the conversations that come up or, Hey, positionally, not necessarily positionally, but what it, what what's my role going to be on the team? It's about those questions more than anything.
2: So less of the whining and dining type of stuff.
1: Yeah, le- much less of that. Yeah, shorter visits, more to the point. You know, we did not know, you know, like Jameson Battle, I, we had no idea he was going to be in the transfer portal. As a matter of fact, we had heard that he could professionalize. So when he got in the transfer portal, um, you know, I think the next day I was seeing Taysen uh, Chapman uh, play in the state tournament. I went up and met with him just one on one in a coffee shop and, you know, talked about those specific things and then followed it up with uh, a visit here and then another a second home visit. Yeah.
2: Um, you mentioned Taysen. He's one of the, the four guys you have coming in as freshmen. What do you envision? You mentioned you don't want to rely on them as much as you did last year, but what do you kind of envision? How do you see fans seeing these players at, as freshmen? You obviously have more experience now with that freshman class from last year. So what is kind of the roles that you see of, of this class as a whole? And then maybe some of the individual guys that fans may see here early
1: on in their careers? Well, I think they're really going to enjoy this this freshman class. You know, we have really um, – you know, we've met some needs positionally. Um, you know, we've talked about it. These are the two best classes we've had back to back. Now they're young. We're still young again, um, which is fine because that's kind of how we've intended uh, to rebuild our roster. Um, so they're, you know, they're all going to have an impact, but they're, you know, they all have different paths in this right now. Uh, some of them are right now a little bit more ready than other guys in you know, time will tell what that looks like come November, but um, I, I really think they all bring um, some really important things for our program. Scotty Middleton and Devin Royal are two guys kind of on the, the wing slash guard forward spots right. that uh, that can provide some things uh, in terms of shooting, in Scotty's case, a, a really good perimeter defender. Devin has the ability to uh, to be a guy that can kind of, uh, you know, like E.J. Liddell was early in his career, where he was uh, just a, physically a body that you could throw into a game, and he can really do some things with his frame and rebounding and length and and versatility. So, uh, and then and then uh, you know, Tayson and Austin. Uh, tayson has got the ability to really handle the ball, um, but has to get stronger, has to get more physically ready. Battled some injuries last year and has been a little bit injured this summer. So he's got to kind of work through that. Um, and, uh, and Austin uh, is a 6'10", big body, 255, uh, big frame, almost uh, close to 6'11". Uh, but those guys all, again, they all have different paths. They all have to go through and develop at their own rate.
2: You mentioned back-to-back uh, classes here. I know you guys came in. You had to rebuild some relationships, I think, and and kind of get this going. Do you feel like recruiting is where you want it to be? And I know college basketball is, again, different than football in that some years you recruit four guys and some years you only have spots for one or two. But do you, you feel like it's in the right place now that you know, you've know you put together these classes, like you said?
1: Yeah, I love where we're at recruiting. And, and to be honest with you, Patrick, I think what, is ha- what has helped is uh, there's no question that the fact that you know, again, up until this past year, we, we were a regular NCAA tournament team and um, we did have success. And then you combine that with guys who were picked in the NBA draft. So you have both of that. And in some cases, a lot of guys that have outperformed quote unquote, what the recruiting experts might've projected for them in terms of their entrance into the NBA. So you see rapid development with, with, uh, a level of success. And that has, that has allowed us to recruit at a high level along with our staff that has done a great job. Um, so uh, again, this, this next class is going to be much smaller uh, because we have much, much smaller because we already have um, a number of, of young guys, nine or 10 young guys in the freshman and sophomore class.
2: I want to ask you about something completely different here, and that's your podcast that you started, uh, which I've really enjoyed, and I think people have. Where, where did this come from, you and, and Terrence doing the podcast? How did this come together, and, and how do you feel like it's going here? A f- handful of episodes in.
1: Well, Terrence uh, is tremendous. Those guy everybody who you know knows Terrence, he's he's a great dude. But Terrence literally didn't know he was going to be my co-host until. The morning of the taping with Ryan, Ryan Day and I and Terrence, he just was in the office and I was like, "Hey Terrence, what are you doing?" It's like nothing. I was like, "Okay, you're gonna be my co-host." So he kind of got, you know, I think he's enjoyed it. He's done a great job with it, Um, and he he really has enjoyed it. And I hope what it's provided, um, in a lot of ways, what I intended it to be for was guys like Terrence, maybe guys who have started this coaching path, our coaching journey and they're wondering, okay, hey, uh, what what has went into building a coaching career? Um, and that's really what I've wanted to be. listen, I enjoy talking to coaches. I enjoy talking to coaches that I can learn from and that I respect if you want to that's really how it was originated. Honestly, hey, I enjoy talking to coaches. Why don't I record something? and see if people enjoy our conversations. And, um, you know, so far it's been, it's been something I've really enjoyed. I'm not, you know, our producer knows the numbers and all that. I have no idea on the numbers and I don't really care. It's just been something that hopefully is a benefit to coaches. And again, something I enjoy.
2: I think it's really interesting because you get a, a Ryan Gay, a Jim Trestle talking to you as opposed to us. And I think you get, some more honesty, not that they are, you guys deceive when you talk to us, but just, I think there's a comfort level talking to another coach, a guy in the program, things like that, that, you know, we're not going to get out of those guys. So I think that's really helpful for fans. And, and even on our side of it, I think we, we gained some insight having listened to those. Um, So if you ever
1: want, I I mean, I hope so. Cause you know, some of those questions I know sitting in their seat. Yeah. That, I'm asking them and I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure I'd wanna answer this. Um, because I think I know what he's asking. And I ask a couple of those, knowing kind of that, and sure. to their incredible credit, they're they are and they're they're incredible human beings, like Ryan Day, Jim Trestle. I'm gonna have Urban on. Those those guys are incredible human beings and terrific coaches and people I can learn from. But um, yeah, you know, it's there is maybe a comfortability uh, because there is a, you know, as coaches you can commiserate together right. on the good uh, and the, and the tough stuff. And there's a, there's a connection there.
2: Yeah. Well, if you ever need to flip over to the media side, just let <laughs> me, you can, uh, you can jump on board with us, Chris. I really appreciate it. Um, I had a few more things, but we're, we we've gone longer than I told you we would. So uh, thank you very much. I know. As coaches, you guys are busy, but I'm glad we were able to work this out. I think people will appreciate it. And keep up with that podcast because I do really enjoy it.
1: I will. I will. Great uh, great talking with you, Patrick. Hope everybody right. enjoys the rest of the summer. All right. We'll see you soon. Thanks, again. Okay. Take care.
2: That was Chris Holtman, Ohio State men's basketball head coach, joining us on the Bucknuts happy hour. Uh, really appreciate Chris taking time. I initially reached out through uh, Gary at the SID, Towards the end of shortly after basketball season, Um, we just couldn't make it work and and timing and whatnot. So, really glad we were we were able to get that done here today. Uh, You may have noticed I meant to say this off the top. If you normally watch this live, this is not a live version. This will be just recording podcast. You'll be able to find it on YouTube, Um, which you've already found it if you're listening to this. But uh, just wanted to explain there was scheduling the the time Chris could do. Uh, Dave Biddle was recording the Bucknuts Morning 5 this morning, so it kind of made it difficult to do it live. I didn't want there to be any, uh, you know, Kristen Nask to not do it live. I think that would have been fine. I just wanted to explain that with, with the way our system's set up, trying to do two shows like that around the same time doesn't work as well. So now I want to dive into some football. We are under a week, recording this on Friday, July 21st, uh, we're under a week from Big Ten Media Days, which... I will be at Steve Hellwagon, Dave Biddle. We'll all be at um, in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. And you can sort of dive into uh, a preview of that if you want. If you haven't listened to the Bucknuts Morning 5 yet, Dave was on with Jay Book. And they kind of went through some questions for each of the guys, thoughts on on like what you want to get out of that. So if you're looking for kind of some sort of previews of that, well, you can check that out on the BM5. I don't want to overlap too much. But I do... Kind of want to pick up where I left off last week, if you were watching that podcast where we had Devere Posey on, who was fantastic. Um, and then I kind of did a Nash, where Ohio State kind of stands in the national scene um, and started to talk about some Big Ten, but we went real long with Devere Posey and my dog was losing her mind. Lovely dog, but she needed to go outside. So we cut it a little shorter than I wanted on that discussion. So I want to dive into the Big Ten, kind of the the way I see things heading into the season. Uh, first, looking back at last year, we know how things ended at the top of the East Division. Michigan, with the win against Ohio State, finished 9-0, and went to the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, Ohio State, second, Penn State, third. Then you had Maryland, Michigan State, Indiana, and Rutgers bringing up the rear. The West Division, Purdue was at the top, lost to Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game, followed by a surprisingly talented Illinois team. Who went? Uh, what was it here? Oh, their conference record five and four there. So not. I don't think anyone expected that to be as good. They were eight and five overall. Then Iowa, who couldn't score points, still managed an eight and five record. Five and four in the Big Ten. Minnesota, Wisconsin, further down than I think you normally see. Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Northwestern. So if I look at the standings in the East versus the West, and had to guess. How much will change? I would say that the East is going to look very similar at the end of the season. Now, look, I think from an Ohio State perspective, obviously you want the Buckeyes back in the conference championship game. That likely means having to beat Michigan and Ann Arbor at the end of the season. Everyone who's listening to this understands that. Uh, So, you know, you could flip those two. I think most people from a, a completely neutral perspective I think it's probably close to a coin flip. Look, Michigan, unless things go very wrong for their program throughout the year, it's going to be heavily, not heavily, it's going to be a favorite, probably a slight favorite. We'll see how things play out. But if you were to look at it now, I don't know if odds have come out for that game. But I imagine there will be a favorite at home in Ann Arbor, having won two in a row against Ohio State. Things will change throughout the course of the season. But if those two meet undefeated again, I would expect Michigan to be a slight favorite just from being at home, if nothing else. I think mean, Penn State is obviously the third team, and, and maybe even a team that, if things go right, you know, if, if they could come in and, and get a win in Columbus, say, or something along those lines, maybe they are in, this, in the discussion really going into that last week or so of the season and, you know, have a chance to, to play in the Big Ten championship game, which they haven't done here for a few years. Um, you look at kind of how it played out. Maryland would not surprise me if they're right in the middle of the, the East Pack again. Um, you've got the, ta- the younger Tagavailoa, Talia Tagavailoa, brother, still back. If you remember that game against Ohio State last year, I mean, the Buckeyes ended up winning and, and it ended up being okay, but I was standing on the field in the corner of kind of the end zone off on the sideline, right where that fumble happened. Uh, you know, great play to, to kind of end that game. But look, Maryland has some offensive weapons. They're able to do some things. This is a program that, while I don't think they're ready to really contend with those top three teams in the East Division, I think this is a more interesting Maryland team than it has been in recent years. Uh, I think they're they're slowly moving in a positive direction under Mike Loxley. So, I expect them to, to be below that that top three of Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State in no particular order. Um, and then Michigan State, you know. I, I think that that there's still some work to be done to get back to where D'Antonio had that program. Um, you know, obviously, Ohio State fans remember kind of the, the thorn in the back that Michigan State was for a few years there, uh, and just kind of how, how difficult they made life on Ohio State, obviously beating Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game back when we were still doing Legends and Leaders. Uh, winning in Columbus in 2015 to end the uh, the run for a potential second national championship in a row for Ohio State. And yeah, there's a lot that can be said about that game, how it was handled and all that. But give credit to Michigan State, they came in and won in Columbus. So I don't think they're near that level yet. Um, I think there's a lot of work to be done there. So to me, I think them finishing what fifth in the Big Ten, Big Ten East again, is, is probably not Completely unrealistic, you know. Maybe they they have they can move up a slot or, or something, but I don't see them getting into that upper echelon of the, the East. Just just not the talent there, and, and I know they've gone the transfer portals in previous years and whatnot, but it's just yeah, it's never been a, a talent accumulator. It's been a program that has developed talent, and I don't think they've done that quite as well um, under the current coaching staff. I think that's something that they're working back to, kind of trying to find that identity. Indiana and Rutgers. I've said this before. uh, I am higher on Indiana than I think some people are. I just think that this is a program that kind of tasted success a couple years ago during that COVID season. And look, the the roster has changed quite a bit. But I think Tom Allen's a a better coach than he's probably shown. Uh, I don't think the program is as good as you know having an argument to be in the Big Ten championship game that year. But you know, two and seven last year in, in the conference surprised me quite a bit. And they, and they finished four and eight overall. Um, I thought, you know, yeah, they're not going to have the same year they did in, in 2020. Um, but, or, you know, in, even in 2021, what would they finish here? Let me pull this up. Um, I guess they're 0 and nine in conference. So it's been back to back bad years for Indiana after the good year that they had, the really good year that they had. Um, I think that there is a possibility that they, could have an illinois-esque maybe not quite that level of making a run to the big 10 championship game but surprising some people and look ohio state's gonna find out real quick uh because they open in bloomington right the week one game so they're gonna get to see what this Indiana team is now i don't believe that ohio state is going to have any problems in that game but i could see indiana as they progress throughout the season Maybe being uh, a little bit more competitive in some of those games than people expect. I think Ohio State's a 28 point, 27 and a half point favorite going to Bloomington. Indiana hasn't beaten Ohio State since 1988. There have been a few close games, including that 2020 game, but uh, I don't expect that to be a problem. But if I'm picking one team in the East to have a surprising season, it would be Indiana. Rutgers, look, I love Greg Shiano. He was great when he was in Columbus working with the Buckeyes. Uh, as the defensive coordinator, I really enjoyed our conversations. He was always very helpful in terms of talking football with me, but uh, it's just, you know, I don't know how you get that program going in the right direction. They were one and eight in the big 10 last year, four and eight overall. Um, It's just, it's hard to to get that. And the fact that he was able to do it before they weren't in the big 10, obviously uh, back in the day, but it's, it's, it's going to be difficult to, to, you know, You've got to keep the, the people, the prospects, excuse me, uh, the best prospects in state. They haven't done that at a high level, and you know you know why because people like Ohio State. Look, Ole Miss, High State just got two guys from Ole Miss out of transfer portal that were both from New Jersey: Davison, Nick Vanoson, and uh, Tyrone Malone. I'd have to go back and look at at kind of their recruiting, but I'm assuming that there that Rutgers was involved on some level but you're letting guys get out of the big 10 even to go down to, to the sec. I think it's, it's tough to build a program that way. Uh, now let's look over to the West. Cause I think this is a more interesting, I don't think it's going to be as chalk here. Um, I think the obvious team that could make a big move is Wisconsin. And uh, they finished four and five in big 10 play last year, seven and six overall. Obviously a new head coach and a guy that's very familiar to Buckeye fans, Luke Fickle, had all the success at Cincinnati. The question I think most people are asking about Wisconsin is, does it all click in year one? Um, I think they'll be very good defensively, very disciplined defensively, and and that's typically true about Wisconsin teams. I'm curious to see how much this offense changes. Uh, They obviously went to the transfer portal. It looks like Tanner Mordecai. He's going to be the starting quarterback in Madison, came from SMU, but they landed another transfer quarterback as well, a guy with less experience. There's the potential there because we know they're going to run the ball well. They've got the offensive line. They've got the running back that that can carry the load. So, like, you've got most of an offense there, right? And Wisconsin has built their bread and butter on that. I will be interested, A, how Luke Fickle kind of runs this thing. Is it going to look like Wisconsin teams of the past? Is he going to stick with? kind of the power eye formations. And I know they've gone away from that a little bit, or does it look more like what he did at Ohio state with his brief time as the head coach there in 2011 and Braxton Miller and whatnot and, and Cincinnati where they were much more of the, the shotgun, you know, modern day looking offense. Does he bring that to Madison and how long does it take for, for that to kind of transition based on how they've recruited for years? So I think if they can answer those questions early on, You've got a uh, a nice path there because I think talent wise they are the most talented team in the West Division. Um, you know, and I don't know if there's much debate there. Um, just pulling up Wisconsin's schedule here. We know that there's the big game against Ohio State, and you know, I think honestly, and I've said that be- this before, from an Ohio State perspective, I think that could be one of the toughest games on Ohio State's schedule, just because. A, where it falls in the schedule. You play Penn State at home the week before. And B, you've got to go to Madison. I imagine it's going to be a night game. Luke Fickle is certainly going to have – and there's some other Buckeyes. Tough Borland, I believe, is on that staff. Um, they will have that team ready to go, no doubt. And if you look at Wisconsin's schedule, open with Buffalo. They have to go to Washington State, which will be an, just an interesting test traveling out there against a, a Pac-12 team. Purdue, Rutgers – Iowa at home, uh, Illinois on the road, which should be an interesting one. Then that's the Ohio State game that last weekend in October. You've got Indiana and Bloomington, Northwestern, who I don't think is going to be much of a, a challenge. And I'll get to them in a second. And then Nebraska and Minnesota, Nebraska at home, Minnesota. So interesting end of the season there for Wisconsin. Uh, I think still, if I'm picking a team to surprise, I think most people are picking them to win the West this year um, that seems most likely to me i don't know if purdue who finished at the top of the west division last year can put together back-to-back seasons i think that's always difficult and i said this i said this last week with some of the national teams like uh tennessee and this was the case with indiana a few years ago when you have that success and you know for, for purdue getting to a big 10 championship game even if you lose to michigan um if you have that success, how do you build on it? How do you kind of sustain that? And it's, you know, for an Ohio state, that is no problem. Right. Um, But for a program like Purdue, especially one, uh, you know, who hasn't been in a lot of those situations playing in a big 10 championship game, you got a new head coach and Ryan Walters coming over from being the defensive coordinator, Illinois, how's that going to work? How's that going to look? Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough to build on those. Now there is some momentum, you know, the, the recruiting helps a little bit when you can pitch, hey, we just made a Big Ten championship game. But if you look at like a program like Northwestern in the past, yeah, they've played in a couple Big Ten championship games, but they weren't able to do it consecutively. They weren't able to challenge again the year after a lot of times. And that's my concern with Purdue is, is their fall. Similarly, Illinois, um, I like Brett Bielema as a head coach, and it didn't surprise me entirely that they had success last season with him kind of running things uh, in at, in Champaign. Uh, That was his what second year. So, you know, you had a year to kind of build some stuff. I think year three, this is an important one for them because, okay, you had some success last year. You didn't quite get where you wanted to at the end of the season because you weren't able to get over the hump and and get into the big 10 championship game. They had Michigan on the ropes. If you remember uh, that, I think it was right. The, the last uh, the second-to-last week of the season, um, I remember watching the end of that game from the Maryland press box, and uh, you know, nearly beat Michigan, which which would have made interesting the Big t- or the uh, the game the next week if Michigan were coming off a loss. I State also had some struggles that week, uh, so for me, can Brett Bielema build on last year? I think you could have you know similar level of success, five and four in the Big Ten uh, once again at Illinois, which. I think that's okay. Um, now, I think then year four and beyond, you know, can you then can you then build? You, you sustained a little bit of the success, you held on. Now, can you build a little bit more? Um, Iowa finished five and four as well. Some changes in Iowa or at Iowa. You've got Cade McNamara coming in, the former Michigan quarterback from the transfer portal. Tight end Eric All also from Michigan coming in. So look, this is an offense that was one of the worst in the country last year. And and I remember talking to one of our Iowa reporters during the season. Uh, and and I actually had him on the show before Ohio state, uh, and Iowa played, but just kind of the, the painful, how painful it was to watch Iowa play football. Right. I mean, it was, uh, it was, you know, they, they scored seven points in a game where they didn't score a touchdown and, you know, that's some good defense, but, uh, You've you've got to find offense. I think bringing in a guy like Cade McNamara, experience in the Big Ten, Eric All, a tight end, also experience in the Big Ten, that's going to help. But there's there's more to it than that, right? You you have to have an offensive philosophy. I just don't know if they do uh, under uh, Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. You know, we've seen it in the past, but I think they've made some mistakes. Iowa's a team, again, fluctuating in the Big Ten. I could see them dropping off if this doesn't work with Cade McNamara. Uh, Now, I could also see them having some more success, and if you can get that offense going a little bit, okay, now you could be challenging again for for the top of the West Division. So, uh, for me, Iowa's a team that can go one of two ways. I think Minnesota's probably right about there, middle of the pack, Big Ten West. Uh, Nebraska, this is a team that I don't think it's going to happen in year one under uh, under Matt Rule, but uh, I do think that this is an interesting hire for the Cornhuskers, and and they've gone. You know, we, we said this handful of years ago um, when when they brought in one of their own, and, and it looked like everything was going to be uh, it was going to be moving in the right direction, but. Scott Frost having a brain fart there, but it never got there. They can never get over the hump. Um, Matt Rule's a guy who obviously had a lot of success in college before making the jump to uh, the NFL with the Carolina Panthers, um, had built something up at Baylor. Okay, so how do you bring Nebraska back into relevancy, right? Uh, The recruiting is interesting because – you don't have kind of the natural recruiting ground that Nebraska once had when they were, you know, more down south, more in the Big 12, because they were in the Big 12, um, you know, recruiting out of Oklahoma and Texas and stuff like that. You're not close to a lot of the, the locations in the Big 10, right, that, that have – you're not – you know, you'd have to go into Ohio, but that's not easy, you know, for families and things like that. Uh, going into Pennsylvania, so Matt Rule has has some work cut out from there. And then, how do you just how do you turn around a program that's just been down for as long as Nebraska has? Right now, it's not as long as some programs. You know, their last year in the Big Twelve, they were in the Big Twelve Championship Game, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, they've they've played in a Big Ten Championship Game early on in, in their time in the conference, if I'm not mistaken. So you know, there, there has been some success, but that's a place that loves college football. If you've ever been there to a game there, um, you know, despite the fact that they've been as bad as they have, continue to sell out that stadium. It's a great atmosphere, at least when I've been there for the first five, 10 minutes before Ohio State started to, to pull away. Um, I have a friend who who went to Nebraska, a huge Nebraska fan, who just, you know, wants it to get not even, they don't even need to be national championship you know, contenders at this point. They just need to get back in, in terms of relevancy. I think Matt Rule is, is definitely a interesting coach in terms of getting them there. I think he, he knows what it takes to have success in college football. It's just a matter of can you have success at a place like Nebraska these days. Um, you know, there's not just the natural pool of talent around, and so you've got to figure that out. Northwestern, look, I think coming into this summer – before everything came out a few weeks ago about Pat Fitzgerald and, and everything, uh, I would have assumed that Northwestern would again be um, towards the bottom of the Big Ten. Now, what Northwestern had done under Pat Fitzgerald is surprised some people by, you know, on years when people didn't think they had the the talent uh, to contend in the Big Ten. They were able to, to, you know, make it to Big Ten championship games and whatnot. Now, some of that had to do with how the rest of the West Division was that year. But you know, credit to Nebraska. So now, on top of that, expectations were already pretty low. Uh, they lost some guys, some talented guys from last year's team. You lose Pat Fitzgerald, and and we discussed some of this. You know, there's there's been plenty of talk about the Northwestern stuff, both on our site and anywhere. So I'm not going to dive into all of that, but. You have uh, defensive coordinator David Braun stepping in as the interim coach. I would assume that lasts for the season unless somebody, you know, just is, is really interested. But at this point, it's, I think you, you roll with what you've got and you try and regroup and do the best you can and go to next season. But, look, I think this is tough. And I think you know, speaking to kind of the, the reports out of there, if you believe everything that came out about the hazing and stuff, you've got to have an entire culture shift. Um, you know, not that some level of of hazing and bonding and all that isn't to be expected because I think it is, but you've got to nip some of this in the bud here. And and it's well, I guess it's beyond the bud at this point, but you've got to figure out a way to, you know, get a culture. Yeah, you can do some stuff that, you know, every school, every group has some sort of initiation, that's fine. But They've got to turn some things around, change some players' minds. Um, I don't think they've lost much in the transfer portal. I know they had a freshman that uh, that left. That uh, yeah, but I haven't seen a ton of of guys departing after Pat Fitzgerald's firing. So the talent uh, that was there shouldn't be a problem. This is a school that look. I don't know if they're ever. I don't think just given how how they kind of are are built, um, heavily academic focused. I don't know if you can consistently be. Top of the Big Ten, you know, in in a playoff situation at Northwestern, but they've invested some serious money into this program. Um, if you've seen the athletic facility they built, it's awesome. Um, I've not been there in person, but I've heard things about it. I've seen all the pictures. They're going to build this new stadium where you know where the current one is, not renovated. they were building a new stadium. So the investment into the program is there. Now you've got to kind of start from ground zero again without the guy who has been your head coach for years. He was on the staff prior to that coaching linebackers. Um, He played for Northwestern like Pat Fitzgerald was Mr. Northwestern. So now where do you go from here? Um, Do you, do you go with an outside hire? Do you try and keep it in house and, and continue that kind of in the family thing? If it's me and I'm trying to completely change the culture at a program, I look elsewhere, try and find maybe a coordinator, add a program that has had success and, you know, bring that to Evanston
0: uh,
2: th- there's a number of different ways to do it. But for me, I don't see, I don't see that happening this season. I think it's too close to the start of the year when all this happened. I think it's, you know, unless they are able to just kind of rally around um, and, and kind of find some wins that no one expected. I think you could be looking, you know, they went one and 11 overall last year, one and eight in the big 10 it wouldn't surprise me if it's, it's close to that again. Um, but this is why we like college football, right? You, you just never know. You know, the, you look back every year at the end of the season at the predictions. Uh, I think some things are easy to identify, right? You can usually hit on two or three of the, the college football playoff teams and uh, pick some conference champions, but it's kind of picking standings, I think makes things interesting because this is uh, this is a sport that has some surprises. So Look, if I were to pick right now, July 21st, 2023, the Big Ten championship game, I – Look, it's for me, it's between Ohio State and Michigan in the East Division. That game in Ann Arbor is going to be a doozy, I imagine, again. Um, And then, like I said before, I think Wisconsin – is the team to beat in the West division. I don't know if it's going to be what it might be in a couple of years, Luke fickle there, if he can do what he expects um, down the road, what he did with Cincinnati. But I certainly, uh, I certainly think there's enough talent on that team and he's a good enough coach that, you know, the, the West isn't a scary, as scary as the East. So I'll say that, look, this is an Ohio state podcast, right? So I will go with Ohio state getting into the back to the big 10 championship game this year, facing Wisconsin again in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, I think we all know how that, that story rolls. So you could have a rematch there of Ohio state, Wisconsin from the game in Madison, potentially, um, in, in Indianapolis for what the third, fourth time, something along those lines. I know they played at least twice, uh, so, that, I think that would be a, a pretty compelling matchup. But, again, surprises do happen. Look, it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan got there, especially having that game at the end of the year at home. It wouldn't surprise me if Penn State gets back there. You know, if there's some chaos, if, say, Ohio State loses in Madison, uh, say Michigan stumbles once along the way, Penn State's able to win against one of those programs. Um, you know, there's, there's a path for, for Penn State as well. So, look, it's going to be fun. It all kicks off here soon. Like I said before, we're going to be, the whole Bucknuts crew is going to be in uh, Indianapolis next week for Big Ten Media Days. Wednesday is when Ohio State goes, early afternoons when Ryan Day speaks. So stay tuned for that. We'll have plenty of coverage from that. And then right around the corner from that is the start of fall camp. If you didn't hear this week, uh, the Buckeyes are opening the doors for fans, Um, I believe. Actually, I know that the, the tickets for that have already sold out for uh, the first two days of fall camp. If you missed out on that, I imagine this is something the Buckeyes will do more often, maybe do some in the spring. I don't think, I haven't seen this specifically, but I, I believe it'll be a viewing window. So it will be just likely the first 15 or so minutes of practice, which is what we normally get to see. So, But still exciting to get out there, get to see some stuff. Uh, but that kicks off the week after when we get back from Indianapolis, and then we're off and running. And you know, we're fall camp, and the season's here, and we're going. So, I would say for uh, for people who really follow this, for myself and and all the guys who cover it, guys and girls that cover it, um, enjoy your uh, enjoy your last real weekend, free weekend here, because it's uh, it's coming fast, and I'm excited. I always love this time of year. I love getting back into it. Honestly, as much as the the work ramps up, it makes my job much easier when we're in season doing stuff as opposed to the off season when, you know, you're just kind of trying to come up with with content. But, uh, you know, I love it all. I love it all. That's why we do this, right? So I'm going to end that there. Thanks again for Chris Holtman for coming on, Ohio State men's basketball coach. If you missed any of that, well, this isn't a live version, so you didn't miss any of it unless you just fast forwarded through it. But even if you're not a basketball guy, I think Chris said some really um, interesting things about, about the program, talking about the relationship with Ryan Day, kind of balancing being basketball, football. But thanks again for Chris. Thanks again for everyone who tuned in to this podcast. Next week, probably do something after Big Ten Media Days once we get back on Friday to kind of wrap up that and, and look ahead to fall camp is my, my plan. So keep an eye out for that. A week from a week from now, which would be today's the twenty first, July twenty eighth. Anyway, until then, Buckeye fans, thank you for tuning in. Again, I'm Patrick Murphy from Bucknuts and two four seven Sports. Thanks again, guys. Cheers.